got a Bible app on your on your phone get that out your iPad whatever you use and uh, and go to 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 praise God we've been having some good services and good lives changed you know if you one of those testimonies that Amy read if you were if you were in this service last week uh, you re- might have recognized it because it was that lady that Jan that interrupted me rudely right in the middle of my service <laughs> I say that jokingly of course you know generally I don't want to be interrupted but when it's a healing you know you remember she's sitting right over here and I don't know if she's in this service today but uh, spoke up and, and God had just manifested healing in her body right in the middle of of our time together and uh, isn't that cool amen we didn't send her a doctor bill she didn't have to wait in the lobby for an hour and a half just came and worshiped the Lord and all that junk left her body isn't that isn't that amazing what might happen in your life today Maybe things have already been happening. It's not finished yet. I tell you, the power of God's working in here, and He wants to do amazing things in us. Amen? So let's keep our heart open, our expectations high on Him. Amen? Not, look, not just look into a human being. Don't, don't just look to me. I'll do what I can do, whatever my part is. But look beyond me. Look to the, look to the Lord working in us and through us today. I want us to go to 2 Corinthians 4, like I mentioned, verse 16, we've been teaching this series called Life in the Spirit, and uh, based on this passage, so let's read it again, Uh, it says, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are uh, are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so discussing life in the Spirit, we're talking about life in the unseen. Life in the eternal realm. We were designed not to just, you know, live physical, natural lives with a a wink and a nod at God every once in a while, but to literally live spiritual lives in physical bodies, okay? And this is what we must give attention to and really be, you know, spiritually educated in so we don't let the spiritual life that God intended for us to just pass us by. Uh, We've been looking at some of the different sources of inspiration um, related to some of the activities people get involved in. They think they're just involved in a very natural activity, but they don't recognize the spiritual motivation and inspiration behind it. And we're wising up to spiritual things. Okay, I'm a believer. I believe in an unseen God and my focus on the unseen realities of heaven and of his promise has produced seen results, tangible results in my life like it has for many people. And so I recognize that as I 
further give my attention to the unseen realities of God, He then begins to increasingly demonstrate Himself in my life. And I like it. <laughs> I think, I know this sounds strange to new, maybe you're new and you're just, you know, watching and seeing what we're all about and maybe not quite sure about us yet. Totally understood. But I think church is fun. I, I do. I, I think engaging with uh, spiritual things is, uh, you know, I enjoy it. <laughs> it's it's life-giving. And it's better than so many natural things. I mean, I, I don't mind going on a good roller coaster, uh, but that's temporary. It is. I mean, it's fun, but, you know, it doesn't produce a, a changed life. This kind of stuff sticks with you. And, and you can go home with it. And you can go home with, this sounds mystical or something, but spiritual deposits of God's blessings in your life. And they're very real. I mean, looking on the, from the outside, you might think, ah, that's just kind of, woo, ozone. Uh, but when you experience it, you know it's the real deal. And, uh, and this is what we want more and more of. Uh, but we can yield to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, or we can yield to wrong spirits. There are other spirits. And so we must be discerning, okay? Is what I'm involved in just a natural thing, just man's idea? Uh, or is there a spirit behind it? that is bringing it into being. And this is where our discernment is necessary because sometimes even Christians will get involved with wrong spirits. They'll yield themselves to wrong spirits. We've, we've shown you that in, in different places, how people can do that. You can be involved with the Spirit of God one minute and then a wrong spirit the next. And if we'll be discerning, we can start making wise spiritual choices and say, I'm cutting this off and I'm going all in over here. All right. Uh, now, in the book of John, Jesus made some statements um, regarding our discernment. And the reason I want to look at this is because when we talk about spiritual, unseen realities, um, there is always a connection to our lives that we can, that we can uh, relate to or recognize. And some of it has to do with the motive or the reason we do what we do. When the motive is right, God connects with it. When the motive is wrong, you open yourself up to wrong spirits. Okay, here's what Jesus said in the book of John chapter 7 and verse 18. John seven eighteen. Jesus speaking says, He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. And so, in other words, there are some that speak from themselves. They are the source, the origination. They are seeking to magnify themselves in the mind and in the eyes of others. And if we ever find ourselves being overly concerned, consumed with how people view us, what do others think about me, then we fall into this trap of seeking our own glory. Amen. I know we all want to present ourselves well. 
We all want to put our best foot forward, as we say, in life. And that's recommended. I mean, you have strong points and weak points. Why lead with the weak? But you can take that too far. To where everything you do, you're always thinking about what others are thinking about you. How are people viewing me? What are they thinking about me? This is really big in the, in the modern don't judge me era. It's just often those who cry that the loudest are the most self-seeking individuals. They're so overly concerned about what other people think about them. How about who cares what they think? You know, there's that, that old saying that says if you live by the praises of men, you'll die by their criticisms. And so someone is going to criticize you. Someone's going to criticize me at some point. I don't think I can really escape that. Because there are people out there that are just not that nice. But am I going to let that ruin me or rule me? And if I'm overly concerned with how people see me, with how they view me, their opinion of me, then I will be likely to position myself in a way where I'm propping myself up. I'm my, my own promoter. Uh, my goal in life is, so, is that others like me. Everybody with me today? I like to be liked just like everybody else, but you get that in, in out of balance and too far, and basically what we're doing is we're seeking our own glory. We're opening ourselves up to wrong spirits. Even in, spirit, even in you know, spiritual terms, in Christian circles, in church, uh, some want to be viewed as really spiritual. They want others to think they're powerful in the spirit. It, 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 it has affected some in ministry where, where preachers try to perform and they try to be powerful. And sometimes if the Spirit of God is not moving on them to do something, they manufacture it themselves. And all of a sudden they're prophesying and the Lord is not saying anything. They're, they're having words of knowledge, but there really aren't any. But they feel like they have to perform they feel like they have to have an air of, of God moving 24-7 in their life. And we need to seek the Lord's glory. In other words, our motive for, for doing what we do needs to be, you know, I want to glorify Him and I love people. People have said uh, that when Jesus healed individuals and set them free... Uh, people have taught this, that Jesus did that to prove that he was the Son of God. Uh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that Jesus just used sick people to prove he was the Son of God. I believe he healed and helped people because he loved them. And they were hurting, and he hated the fact that they were hurting and wanted to bring life to them. It's true that miracles did bear witness of who he was. He was the Messiah and so forth. But his motive was different. You know, Scripture said that he saw the multitudes and had compassion on them. And how many think we should also be moved by that and motivated by that? We're not trying to show off or proclaim that we're smarter or better or more spiritual than anyone else. It's just if someone's hurting, I hate that. If someone is in trouble, if someone is downtrodden, can I be a part of, Lord, can I be a part of this in lifting them up? Will your power flow through me so that I can raise their life? And if we have that heart and that motive, see, what's going to happen is we are closing ourselves off to deception and wrong spirits, to hard hearts, to proud looks. And, 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 and we're, we're on the same page that the Lord is. We, we, we love people. We're not looking to promote 
our own selves. Um, but we're here to seek his glory. So Jesus said that. But look at the verse right before it. Right before 18. You know what's, what's right before 18? 17. Here's what Jesus said right before. He said, if anyone wills to do his will. Stop there. Say, look, look, wills to do his will. What's your will? Well, I want. No. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know. Concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If you will to do his will, you know. What if I will to do my will? What if I just want what I want? Then you will not know. In other words, your discernment will be lacking. You will look at life. You will look at theology. You will look at uh, whatever's happening. And you will be clouded. You will not see it clearly. Because you're seeking your own glory. But if we can make a shift, just like that, and make a change in our hearts, humble ourselves and say, Lord, I want what you want. I submit myself to your will. I'm going to live so you would be glorified, so your will would be accomplished. What's happening now? Your eyes just got cleaned. The cloud just disappeared. Now you have a spiritual ability to discern like you didn't have before. Where did it come from? Motive. Motive. And there's nothing that you can fake there, by the way. Because it's not about me trying to convince you or you trying to convince me of your reason for doing these things. This stands only before God, before whom all things are open. Fully naked before Him. He sees all and knows all. And my heart's intent is one thing. I can never hide from Him. I might be able to pull the wool over some other people's eyes, but I stand before Him, and it's by His Spirit that I understand, that I see and know. And I don't want to be one of those people who are walking around saying, I'm just all confused. I just don't know what to do. I'm just not sure about this and that, but not sure about that. I don't want to be confused. I want light. This is how I do it. It's the motive of my heart that helps me yield to the right spirit. Everybody okay? I'm not, I don't believe we should, seek spiritual experiences as the end result. I believe in spiritual experiences. But I believe if we seek after them, we often open up for deception. In other words, our goal should be to seek the will of God. Seek the relationship with Him. Seek those things. They're pure. They're right. I'm seeking to do God's will and it just happens to be that he's a spirit and he gives spiritual experiences but I'm not just going after the experience I'm going after him and his will it it would be like if a if a if a, a young couple came to me you know singles they're dating and or engaged or something they they said pastor we want to get married well a normal question you would find in a in a counseling session would go like this why do you want to get married think that's a good question why do you want to get married you should do these things for the right reason and if they just responded well we want to have sex (laughs) and we know we're Christians so we're not doing that so uh, we want to have sex how many think 
that that might be okay for that to be in the equation, but it can't be the only reason. And it really shouldn't be first. You know, because after that first week, you know, life comes back. And you got to live with each other and, and life and you know what I'm saying. If that's the only thing that's there, you're on shaky, shaky grounds. You would want to make sure that relationship is a little deeper than that, a little more established on some, uh, some other commitments and some commonalities and, and, and all those factors in that relationship. And then you can have the experience as a part of that, and we totally understand. But in a spiritual sense, that's what some people are going after, I think. It's not a commitment to Him and His will. There's no consecration, no dedicated life, not a life of glorifying Him. It's just, let's see what God can do in me next. They're going after the spiritual experience and therefore sometimes open themselves up to deception because there are other spirits out there. Everybody okay? Amen. Go over with me to uh, uh, Galatians. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. I, I want to I share with you about how God views our relationship with Him, this spiritual relationship. In other words, we have a whole big section of, of the Bible that is not designed to be our direct guide. In other words, if you were to read from the book of Exodus, which is the second book in the Bible, all the way through the book of Malachi, that is, that is referred to as the Old Covenant or the Law of Moses. It was, it's, it's a biggest part in our Bible. Nevertheless, it was just for a section of time in history. And it was for a specific purpose. Uh, I don't mean it's not for us today. It, it, it's, it's for us to learn from, but it's not directly written to us. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, but many times, Christians are trying to live for, for God today, but they're not doing it His way. In other words, it's not life in the Spirit, it's life under the law. Give me a set of rules, tell me what to do and what I shouldn't do, and I'm going to live in those boundaries. Okay? Well, that might be noble in, in motive. You might have a right heart in that regard, but the Lord created this relationship to be better than that. Really better. It's not how we started the thing out. That's why I left the book of Genesis out. When God first created uh, mankind, He didn't give them a Bible. He didn't give them a set of rules. He gave them one rule. So they could make a choice. But then the rest of it was about relationship. How do I know what to do? Well, he's with you. He's with you every day. He designed That was God's ideal. Not that he would just create a boundary for us to live in, but he would have a relational uh, relationship with us. That was his ideal. Now, when sin came in, that's what changed everything. Sin came in, and all of a sudden, oh, we've got a problem. And... Uh, and so then the whole plan of salvation came into being, and God gave the Ten Commandments. This is sometime later. It's Exodus, which is a long time later. But 
the Ten Commandments came in, all the other commandments, and it was designed for a certain purpose so that people could basically come to themselves and recognize they'll never live up to God's standard of holiness, and they would despair and say, help. And then Jesus would come and say, I'm the Savior. But the ultimate result was not that once you get saved, now you live by a set of rules again. It's back to God's original design that we would live in and by the Spirit. Everybody with me today? I'm saying a lot in a little bit of time. But we are to have a spiritual connection with God. This is not a life governed by rules and commandments, but by His Spirit. I'm not talking about a lawless life, but rather one submitted to the Holy Spirit. There are certain behaviors and activities that when someone learns to be Spirit-led, they won't do... They won't get involved with them, but not because of a commandment, per se, but because they have a relationship with the one who is at odds with that behavior. I know he doesn't like it if I would do that, and so it's, they're, they're led from the inside. I hope this is making sense. Look at Galatians. Let's go to verse 16. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. It reads... I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, now, now notice, notice that verbiage right there. He didn't say, stop living in the lusts of the flesh, and you'll be in the Spirit. See, what we often do is when we're, we've got struggles or problems, we're going the wrong direction uh, in our lives, we, we say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to quit this. I'm going to stop this. And all of our attention is on what we're, not, what we're not supposed to do or what we're trying to stop doing. And that usually is quite the struggle. Just to mentally willpower ourselves into a life of not doing something that we kind of want to do. It's hard. And that's why it's not the prescribed solution to getting out of it. What did he say? Walk in the Spirit. What do you mean walk in the Spirit? That's because Jesus has come. He was, he was crucified. He was raised from the dead. The Spirit of God was poured out. And this new time that we live in, this new day since the resurrection of Jesus is a spiritual life. Not a live in the boundaries life. Now I realize you could take that wrong and, and don't take it wrong. Are you saying? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying just what I'm saying. In other words, there's the, the idea that you're, saying people, you're giving people license to go crazy and do whatever they want. Not if you're living in the Spirit. Okay. <laughs> now I lost my place. <laughs> Since Jesus was raised from the dead, He intended for us to live a Spirit life, not just staying in the boundaries life. It's not lawlessness but it's a life yielded to and submitted to the Holy Spirit. But again, so many things we'll go to do, and you might even be questioned by a, a friend, say, how come you won't do this? How come you don't do this anymore? I, I just don't believe I'm supposed to. I don't think that would be right for me. And so, well, why? What scripture is there? Well, I don't really see a scripture directly, but God himself lives in me, and, and I just know. I just know he wants me to do this instead of that. It's sometimes, you know, hard to explain, but that's the way it is. 
So uh, he said, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If I will walk in the spirit, it displaces uh, fleshly walking. If I will take my glass of milk and set it under the, the water faucet and turn it on full, I can just let it sit there. And eventually there'll be no more milk in it. Eventually it will be all water. And yet I never took the effort and time to get rid of the milk, to pour it out, to wash out the cup. I just filled it with something different continually. This is the method of God's design for us to live with Him. That's why you read over and over and over in the New Covenant, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the, You're born of the Spirit when you get saved. You're filled with the Spirit. That's the baptism of the Spirit. But then further on, over and over and over again, we're told, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, get under that spout where the glory comes out and let Him wash you and fill you continually all your days and you'll not have any struggle with the flesh. But it is really hard to live for God if you're not full of Him. If I am full of the world and full of worldly thinking and I'm trying to live for God, that's almost impossible. That's why doing what we're doing here, this is good for us. Spending time alone in prayer and worshiping God. Thank you, Lord. Just get alone and just worship Him. What's happening? You're sitting under that faucet. Again and again. So I'm not even trying not to do anything. I know you're focused on the right instead of focused on the wrong thing. All right, verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, here's what we have today. In, in church circles, you've got a whole lot of people who call themselves Christians, and they are completely living under the old covenant law. They're very law-minded. They're very legalistic. Then you've got another crew who has learned, nope, the law is, was done at the cross. We're free from that. We're no longer living under the law. And now they're living under nothing. <laughs> In other words, they've recognized what they're free from, but they haven't entered into spirit life. You could say, uh, you could say grace for sure, but the grace way is still not a nothing way. It's a spirit way. It's a spirit-led way. He hasn't left us on our own. No more rules. Have at it. No. Remove the laws and now be filled with me. Watch. And live from the inside out. If we substitute the old with nothing, we're in trouble. Substitute the old with the new, the new way. And that is, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. What if you're not led by the Spirit? Dude, you need some law. <laughs> because, you, <laughs> you see what I mean? Because you're going to go squirrely. You, you, your flesh will lead you, and, and if you don't have any bumpers on your bowling alley, you're going in the gutter, man. <laughs> Until you can get... Filled with and led by the Spirit and learn how to stay in the, in the middle of that lane. Amen. The Spirit of strike. <laughs> All right, I made that up. That's not really a Spirit. I'm not quoting a Scripture. Helps us stay in the middle. 
But remember, we're talking about flesh or spirit. Remember the spirit realm now. What spirits work with flesh? That would be demonic spirits. James chapter 3, we taught that earlier on. The flesh and demonic spirits go hand in hand. Yeah? And so when we recognize what's of the wrong spirit, we start getting filled with him. In other words, I don't want to be like a Christian libertarian. No rules. You know, it's just kind of no boundaries, no guidelines whatsoever. Stay out of my life. No, no, I'm not talking political here. I'm talking spiritual. Do I have any boundaries in my life as a Christian? It's the Spirit of God inside of me. It's the law of love that guides us, right? It's not just I do whatever, what, you know, with no, no guidelines. I have the Spirit of life inside of me. That's why the only way this works is if I do it that way. The only way Christianity works is to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. Otherwise, it turns into bondage. Otherwise, it turns into legalism again, or just this life where people are out of control, overcome by, by the flesh and sin, and they can't stop doing what they don't want to do. 1 Corinthians 6.12, Paul writes here, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Why are all things lawful? Because he's not under the law. He said, but it's not all helpful. I'm not going to do it just because I can. It would be stupid. So I'm adding to his thoughts there. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul, you can do anything, but you won't? Yeah, why would I let that foolish stuff dominate me? Why would I let, the, let this fleshy stuff dominate my life? He said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go there. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians. I want to finish over here today. Uh, I could take another half hour, but um, I can't. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I know my salvation is not contingent upon doing right or doing wrong. But if I yield to the flesh, it will cost me. That's what he's saying. You're being brought under the power of it. What some call freedom is actually bondage to sin. But what does it look like to live a spiritual life? Some of it's very practical. And everybody hold on. Because this is in your business. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people... But as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So these are believers. These are Christians that go to the church in Corinth. And Paul said, I can't talk to you like I want to. I'd like to have a spiritual conversation with you about spiritual things. He said, I can't because you're so, I'm going to add to it again. You're so stinking fleshy, carnal, not spiritual Fleshy, you know, carnal like chili con carne, <laughs> chili with 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 meat. It's talking flesh. Has the when it comes to our spiritual life, some have learned to live from the inside out, whereas others live from the outside in. Some are moved by spiritual leadings and spiritual grace and power. 
Others are moved by circumstances. People say, well, I just feel, and they're emotion-led. They're circumstance-led. You'll find that these often struggle with envy, with strife, and divisions. I know some individuals, and I don't, I'm not trying to knock anyone in the head or anything today, but I've known some of the most spiritual-sounding people. They leave an air of spirituality. Uh, maybe they can quote lots of scriptures or something, but they're always fighting with people. There's always strife in their home. They're always in a, having arguments at home and at work and with people. And there's constant... Uh, c- can I just shoot you real clear, real straight with this? That's not spiritual. That's flesh. That's the most, car- the most carnal among us are the ones who get in- engaged in divisions and strife. And it's always a relational conflict. Why? They're living from the outside not living from the inside these these folks are very often easily hurt they're they're more likely to become offended it's not coming from the spirit of god inside of them it's their feelings and i'm not discounting them to say that feelings aren't real i have feelings you know i try to try to do this sometimes and you know, not, not, not give in to that, but, you know, we, we have feelings, but the design of new covenant Christian living is a spirit life. We live from the inside out. And so those circumstances arise that are uncomfortable. People say things that are hurtful. There, are con- there is conflict, but we respond to it in love. Why? Because love is in here. What do I mean here? In the spirit of a believer. That's where all of God's life is. I'm introducing something here now that I'll hopefully uh, explain later. But healing is in here. And peace is in here. And joy. Yeah. And provision. And leadings. Guidance. Clarity. Light, understanding. It's not coming from here. It's coming from the Spirit. That's why the Lord designed that, that this new covenant would be a spirit life. Not just a natural life. I'm not, I can't just study myself into a relationship with God. It comes by faith in the unseen. And when those spiritual truths become... Uh, revelation to me, understanding to me, I can begin to walk in the Spirit. And then all the blessings of God flow from that place. How many know the, the idea of constantly viewing my solution is out there? God, come move in my life. God, come do it. Come show yourself. Come pour out on us. Come do all these things. Is wrong. Because when a person gets saved, their spirit is made alive. And he comes to occupy us. And so I ought to be looking for my answers in here. You remember Ephesians 3.20? It says, it is God, uh, let's see, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above 
above all we could ever ask or think by the power that works in us. Not the power that's out there somewhere hoping it'll, I hope it'll come my way. It works in us. Let me show you one more thing. Can I show you one more thing? I got a whole minute. Not less than a minute. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. Philippians, the second chapter. In verse 12, it reads, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That verse gives some people concern because they think, oh, here we go. We're into that working for salvation. <laughs> We're into that works-based salvation. No, he didn't say work for your salvation. There's nothing I can do to earn my own salvation. He didn't say work for it. He said work it out. Work out your salvation. What do you mean work it out? Because it's in. You get saved in. When, you, when, I, when I received the, the new birth and I was born again... My, my skin didn't change, my height didn't change, my size didn't change, my mind didn't change, but something totally changed. Where was it? It was in. It was in the invisible. It was the spirit. But the spirit of man was born again. And he says, now take that and work it out. What do you mean work it out? Work it out so you can see it. Get your salvation out of the unseen into the seen realm. Let it affect your mind. Let it affect your behavior. Let it affect your relationships and all that you do. Work out your salvation, man. Don't leave it hidden inside. This is what confuses us when someone says, I'm a Christian. I accepted the Lord, but they look like a mess. It's like, I don't see any evidence of God in your life at all. It, they could be genuine. They could have been saved, but their salvation hasn't been worked out yet. It goes on to say there in the next verse, for it is God who works where? In you, not to you, not towards you, in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This is how the Lord leads us to be like him, to think like him, speak like him, to be imitators of God. He's constantly working in us. I'm thankful for this. He's working in you now. Why? So you'll do what he wants you to do. Now, he's not forcing you to do it. Otherwise, you'd be a little puppet. But he is working in you. He's stirring you up. His spirit goes to work and, and, and produces a desire to live for him. When you yield to that, ah, your salvation comes out. Yeah, it's been bottled up. It's been closed off. But he's working in you. And you'll find in settings like this, even now, even right now, I mean, this right now, this very moment, there is a stirring in people to do, to do life different. There is a stirring on the inside. God's not making you do it, but he's sure helping you. You get in this atmosphere where the Spirit of God is, and he works in you, works in you, works in you. And all of a sudden, you want to do things you didn't want to do before. Hallelujah. And it's not like I'm just towing the line and following the rules and coming under some religious bondage. No, I have a relationship with the spirit of life. And he works in me. I could tell you stories right now if we had time 
of how God worked in me and moved me from a nominal, carnal, chili con carne Christian. Seriously. I was saved and I'd go to church, but carnal, and he started working in me. I gave him a little gap and he said, hi. And he worked in me. All of a sudden, I find myself wanting, wanting to turn the TV off and go like this. I worship you. I praise you. I just worship you. I'd get all alone. No one tell anyone. I'd just get alone and worship him. I worship you. I couldn't wait to lift my hands in the air. It was so wonderful. What happened? I don't know. I couldn't have explained it then. I just knew right in here, uh, I want to do this. I like to do this. I can't wait to get in a room where there's no one else around so I can just do this. And he stirred me and stirred me, and before you knew it, I was a pastor. <laughs> now, now, watch, that doesn't have, that, say, I'm not doing that for sure then. I, most people aren't called to be a pastor, but if you are, you better start doing that so you'll know. <laughs> and if you're not, you better start doing that so you'll know whatever else you need to know. Amen. Amen. He wants to guide you from the inside out. It's a better way to live. Praise God. Father, thank you for working in us today. We honor you. We bless your name. Thank you.